0: You're listening to a podcast presentation of Hillside Foursquare Church in Reno, Nevada. Hey there, I want to invite you back towards the seat. We're going to be diving into our series called Stir It Up. Over the next several weeks headed towards Thanksgiving, so at least 10 weeks or so, we're going to be in First and Second Peter. And uh, both of these letters from Peter are written to the Greek-speaking believers that have been scattered across Asia Minor. And just to give you a little bit of a picture of where, you know, what we're dealing with, got a map up here. And so... The, the places we're going to be looking at are kind of in this area. We've got Asia and Bithynia and Galatia and Pontus and Cappadocia and Cilicia. This is the region kind of in here. Uh, to give you a little bit of idea, Ephesus is kind of in this region. You've got Italy over here, you know, uh, Greek islands, etc. But Peter's writing to a largely uh, Gentile Jew uh, group of people who are living in this general vicinity. Just to give you a little bit of background. And so uh, the main theme for this series is found in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And this is the sum up. It's Peter says, this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. So Peter is writing to stir them up to remind them to make sure that they're thinking on the things that God wants them to be thinking on on God's promises on God's prophecies. And this is something that throughout this series you're going to see our role as Christ followers as disciples is to stir ourselves up and then to serve to help stir other people up as well. Stirring ourselves up is like when we prepare ourselves to get ready for something. It's it's Recognizing in order to be ready for something, I need to prepare mentally, physically, emotionally, etc. And I'm going to do that, but I'm also going to encourage one another. And I'm going to, for lack of a better phrase, fan the flame in myself, but also in others. Anybody, a pyromaniac in here, you enjoy the fire. Okay. Fire is wonderful, and it's a great picture, too, uh, because when—well, let me just read this scripture first. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. This is another scripture that reminds me kind of an image of of stirring it up. Paul, writing to Timothy, says, "'For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control.'" Paul's telling Timothy, I want you to fan into flame that which is in you, because I know it's there, because I laid hands on you and it happened, but I want you to fan into flame that which God has put inside of you. This is something that he's encouraging Timothy to do. Peter is doing it, saying, I'm going to do this to you, but the idea is, if you're sitting around a campfire, you've got a fire going in the backyard, hopefully a controlled burn, um, You've got that going. You put a log on the fire. At some point, it burns down, and you're left with embers, and then it can start to fade, and you take a poker, or you take a long stick, or if you're really one of them brave campfire people, you take your foot, and you kind of kick it a little bit. You stir it up, and it brings air, and it causes the embers to glow, and it causes things that weren't burning yet to kind of come to life. The image of this entire series is stir it up, fan into flame that which is in you, and take the time to do that with the people around you. And I would say that is a role in discipleship. That is a role in following Christ, to encourage one another and to, to build each other up in doing good. If you take nothing else, take it. I am to stir myself up and I'm to stir others up. This does not mean you are a provocateur. You are not someone to cause pain and injury to people. Say, so like, I'm, you know, I'm the cattle prod in the kingdom, okay? That's my job. My hair is to poke and to... No, this is an encouragement. It's not meant to be something that is discouraging. It's a coming alongside and standing with people, okay? Major themes that we see in First Peter and 2 Peter are we're to persevere in suffering as we follow after Christ. We're to put our hope in Christ as our source of life, who's never going to leave us or forsake us. To be obedient to Christ in all things and to put into practice what you know you're supposed to do, to be faithful. And to live holy in all areas, set apart to God for his purposes. Living holy, I think is the one that stands out the most to me. And I, I was a, a child of the '80s. I still kind of am. I th- those were my formative junior high and high school years, and it's one of those things where if you want to keep your kind of keep your brain functioning and to keep your your wits about you, one of the things that you can do is that you can and it's, it's called. Uh, helping your, bl- your brain retain its plasticity or its flexibility. You can listen to music that you listened to in junior high and high school. And it helps keep the pathways open and helps you develop new uh, memories and helps you to kinda, your brain to kind of function the way it's supposed to function. Because the longer we go without it stretching out and without really using it and keeping learning, it can become rigid and it can stop flexing. Okay? And as a child of the 80s, when I look back on holiness and I think about it, there was an entire movement of holiness that really was a an imposed morality that was more about the things you didn't do than the things you actually do. Anybody who can remember this? You know, there was there, a ton where it's like you, you were marked and judged according to the things that you did. I can remember... Uh, my first pastor here at this church, he would say, I don't, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't chew, and I don't go with girls that do. And that was Christianity. It was, this is what holiness looks like. And what holiness, Peter's talking about is not a rigid church lady type morality of isn't that special. You know, we don't live that way. It's, I belong to Jesus for his use. Okay? I use this example on a regular basis, but if you have a toothbrush... That you use to brush your own teeth, that toothbrush is holy unto you. Okay? It's a picture and it's not a great one, but it's this isn't one of those things where you say to like Natalie to her son Moses, Moses, go clean the bathroom. And I want you to scrub the tile. Her toothbrush is off limits when it comes to using anything to scrub the tile. Okay? Because it's set apart, it's for special use. When I got married Especially as we kind of learned how to live life together and cook together. We're still learning that part. Some of us have a harder time reading directions than others. I'll let you guess which one of us that is. Uh, um, but you know what? It's hereditary. It's hereditary. My dad and I are focused on directions. And the women we married don't care about that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, But I've learned that like, when you're making spaghetti and you want to drain the spaghetti, there's a tool you have to use. It's, a, it's like a rubber-made pan, but it's got a bunch of holes in it, and it's what? Yeah, it's that thing. That's a special tool for a special purpose, and you can use other things to do it, and it may work. I'm proof that that, that is true, but it's not the right thing to use. It's made specifically for that, and I'm being a little bit silly in throwing these things out there, but we are made specially for God's use. And if Peter reminds us, hey, you're holy, it's you're not to use this for common purposes, for just throwing your life away. Because what you do with your life matters. It's a far cry from the rigid, uh, imposed morality that is, doesn't. you don't do anything because you don't want to do something wrong. Instead, it's a, I'm here to do what God would have me do in any situation, and I'm his instrument. Does that make sense? That's what Peter's talking about when he says holiness. It's not the rigid withdrawn into herself. It's, I'm a special tool in God's hand. So as we go through First Peter today, we're going to go through First Peter 1, chapter 1, verses 1 through about 12. I want us to be thinking about what is God stirring up in you? And really, a lot of this is going to come from knowing what your foundation and your identity is in Christ. And Peter, in his writing, is reminding people the basis from which we can stir it up. And we can say, yes, I can be used by God. Yes, I can be uh, worthwhile in stirring up other people. Too often, we focus on the areas where we are, have fallen short and where we're inadequate. And we focus on the areas where we feel like, I just, I'm not going to do any good. Why am I even here? Peter reminds us that in Christ... We are empowered and enabled to do exactly what Jesus says we can do. And if we're instructed to do something, whether we feel like it or not, we're to do it. In the Psalms, over and over, David will say something like, you know... uh, be a rest, O oh my soul, or give glory to God, O oh my soul, or bless the Lord, O oh my soul. He's doing this not just as a poetic declaration, but because there are times when you are not going to be feeling like doing something, and you will have to say to your soul, bless the Lord. Speak life, my soul. Give glory to God. It will stir something up inside of us when we say, yes, I can feel this, but I've still got the Spirit of God in me to say, this is what I'm going to choose. Does that make sense? Okay, so 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 to start us off. One of my favorite things, uh, early on in the summer, I determined that this is where we were going to be going, First and Second Peter, and I read it over and over and over and over and over again, but I didn't do any studying until last Monday, and so it was my first studying in 13 weeks. I'm a teacher by gifting, and so I was like, Fill the pads with all sorts of fun stuff. So as we go through 1 Peter, it's not so much the academic part I want you to think about. It's the stuff of what is God speaking to me about what he wants to stir up inside of me and use me to stir up inside other people, okay? I'm a little excited. (laughs) Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. I showed you on the map all those places, the Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia. But in this greeting, Peter identifies himself. I am Peter, an apostle or a sent one, one empowered and sent by Christ, and I'm writing to the people who are believers— most likely Gentile Jews who are believing in Christ, who've been scattered throughout these Asian provinces. And there's a reminder to each one of these each one of these people, God knew you in advance of you knowing him. God knew who you were before you knew who he was. I have several nieces and nephews, and one of the favorite things in my, in my life is when my brother's and their wives, I was going to say my brothers reproduced, my brothers did not reproduce with their spouse, they reproduced. And being able to go, and the day when, when it took my brother Ben a week to name each of their kids. It's like he, he had to look at them and spend time with them and decide what their names were. But being able to go and hold Ellie for the first time, she's almost, she's 15 now, almost 15, so It's much harder to hold her like this, but she's, when she's a little tiny kid and I'd hold her up and I'd say, I love you so much. I've got pictures of me and her at Disneyland. She's like three weeks old and she's just like this lump on my shoulder. And I remember so clearly we're just sitting there and I'm talking to her about all the great things that we're going to do. And she doesn't know anything about me other than, you know, I'm holding her. I tell her stories about, we were in line, you know, waiting for your family to come out of California, out of the Sorn over California, and Guy Fieri comes out with his entourage and his, his little son, Hunter, who's now a grown man, and he's looking around like, who's going to recognize me? And me and Ellie just kind of looked at him, and Ellie was like, Ugh. and I just kind of went, you know, one of those type of things, that guy, and he's like looking for, like, I tell her, that's what we saw that day. And I'm telling her all this stuff, but she has no context of anything other than, Over a period of days and months and weeks and years, she got to know me and the role that I play in her life. But I loved her and knew her long before she knew me. I pursued her, and I continue to do that. It's a slim picture of what God has done with us. He didn't, like, get you into his family kind of in a bulk purchase, I used to enjoy watching Storage Wars where people would go and buy storage units that they really hadn't seen what's in it. And then they're going through it after they purchased it, and it's like, well, man, I ended up with a bunch of junk, but it's mine. You know, Jesus died for the whole world. It's like, oh, I got some great ones. And then there's those people in Reno. who God in Christ did not end up with a bunch of junk or spare parts. Before we knew him, he knew us. And Jesus died for us that we may have life. And in us, he sees the very image of God the Father that has been imprinted on us and the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. This is important for us to remember because we often will have those moments where we're reflecting, like Job I am a worm, not a man. Why am I even here? I'm slime. Would have been better if I'd never been born or if I, you know, like there's one particular passage he says, I wish my mom had just given birth and I'd be died at birth. We can have those feelings and our perspective on ourselves be so off. And this simple reminder from Peter is one saying, I knew you and I loved you long before you knew me. And when God says you're valuable and he loves you and he has a purpose for you, it doesn't matter what you feel like. What matters is what he says. He talks about a call of sanctification. It says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood. He says, basically, your responsibility, your call in your life is to be sanctified, to be being made holy. Sanctification is a process that continues from the time we start with Christ until he takes us to be with him sanctification, a fancy way of saying being made holy, being made set apart to God in every area. Also, practicing obedience to Christ, putting into practice what we know are the commands of Christ in our life. And for the sprinkling with his blood, this does not mean there's going to be sacrifices involved and we've got to, you know, go all Old Testament and got blood on the right earlobe and the right big toe and the right thumb. This is about the de- declaring the forgiveness of sin and the healing of people's lives and people's bodies. Sanctification, obedience, and the sprinkling. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. The primary point that God deals with us, and especially as Peter reminds us here in, in this passage, is through grace and peace. They are the foundation for our relationship with God through Christ. Grace reflects our standing with God and the power that enables us to follow him in his strength and the peace is a reminder that even though the world can be in chaos around us, we do not have to be in that chaos or that anxiety or that fear or that worry as our main lifeline. We can walk and live in his peace. Does that make sense? Okay, thank you for the feedback. I was really thankful for all the people who, who spoke this summer i watched several of them i watched all of them not always live one of the things i happened during sabbatical uh, if you know me you'll think this is crazy but uh, i i kind of lost track of days and there were times where it's like i don't know what day it is i don't know what time it is i just know i am going to read, or I'm going to sleep, or we're going to sit outside, and we're going to look at the back, we're going to look at the, the landscape. We had no clue. And I'd be in touch with friends, and they'd say, hey, you want to meet on Wednesday? It's like, yeah. When is Wednesday? You know, like, what is today? And it's such a far separation from the clock in my head and the calendar always going, so I'm trying to re-engage with that. And as a part of that, I'm also recognizing that there's a uh, in, in stepping into the role of teaching back at Hillside, it's a thing I've been looking forward to. I haven't done anything for 13 weeks, and so if you can kind of, when you, you don't have to be like a, hey man, brother, you know, that type of a thing, but just to be able to say, hey, I'm, I, I understand what you're saying, and if you don't, just tell Joni afterwards, and she can tell me. Okay, First Peter 3, first 1, 3 through 9. more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I love, love, love the imagery where it talks about uh, being born again to a living hope being made new according to the great mercy of Father God by faith through grace shown in resurrection of Jesus Christ and an in inheritance that will not pass away. When we're born again to a living hope, there is a, an aspect of something that comes alive inside of us. And our living hope is found in, yes, the eternal life for us, but even more, the, etern- the living hope is discovering that that living hope is Jesus Christ. And that is our prize. That is our hope. That is our future is found by faith through God the Father in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Anybody have their faith tested? When your faith is tested, it's not because you're a bad person or a bad Christian or because you're a doubter or because you're one of those double-minded people faith being tested means you are experiencing life on this planet holding on to something that is completely foreign to the world that we live in and everything in this world wants to shake your faith in such a way that you will take away, take your faith out of, away from where you're placing it and put it in something else that is just as shifting God allows us to have our faith tested because as our faith is tested, it is found to be pure. It is found to be good. It is found to be something that will last. James chapter 1 says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because it develops in your perseverance. There is something that happens when you have your faith tested that causes your faith to get stronger. When you have faith and hold on to faith, even in the face of doubt, and don't let go, and you come through and you see God respond at some point, even if it seems much later than you wish it would have been, you find out that he is who he says he is, and he will do what he says, and you have faith to believe. One of the things I love about our church is we have people who have walked with Jesus for many, many years. We need people who have been through life struggles and who have continued to stay strong in their faith with Jesus Christ so that they can remind us, like it talks about in Psalm 71, I'm not leaving this planet until I pass on to the next generation the good things I've seen God do before me in my life and I know that he's going to do. It's an encouragement to me to have a guy like Sean McConnell in our church. Because Sean McConnell is not only one of our elders, he's someone who, when I was a kid, I saw him attending a Bible study. It was at my parents' house. Sean would come, and he would, in his, couldn't have been more than early 20s, he'd play catch with me in the backyard. I would just drag his carcass outside. Let's play catch. I want to play catch. But to be able to hear over and over the stories that he would tell about the times where God showed himself to be faithful, and to see that that's a 50-year relationship, And there's 50 years of faithfulness that God has shown through his life. And that then we get to share about the things he's doing in our life, and we get to pass that on. And pretty soon, as we pass those things on to our kids, what we're seeing is their faith initially might be because of our faith, but they will find that their own faith will be tested. And as their faith is tested, they're going to find that the God that we believe in is the same God who did that stuff. That's the good stuff. I was talking to my friend Chuck... Chuck is, I believe, is Chuck in his 80s? He's like 78, 79, 80. He's older. And we were talking about pastoring. And he said, you know, at one point, and I knew this was the time for me to be a pastor. You know, he's in his 40s and 50s and 60s. Now I can't imagine trying to pastor people the way the world works in 2020, 2021, 2022. The, the craziness that has developed in the last 10 to 12 years of kind of turning everything on its ear about what's right, what's wrong. I can even think back in my own, going back to the old days. I mean, think back as far as you can and it's like, 1986. Back then, and thinking, how much has changed since then? And he says, I'm just, I'm, I, I wouldn't want to be pastoring right now, but I know, it's like, for me, it's like, I love living in this time because I know God's going to give me what I need for this particular time. If you have kids and grandkids that are growing up in the world where we are, living, and everything is upside down, and who knows who believes what, and, you know, people even start calling into question, you know, things that are just very basic. God created man. God created woman. That's it. There's two. That's it. And all this stuff being caught up into question, we can worry. I'm so worried about the kids. I'm not worried about the kids. And the reason I'm not is because the God that we serve knew in advance that they would be facing this, and we'll be preparing them. And one of our roles is to be preparing them to be solid in faith, knowing that Jesus will give them what they need in the days that are ahead. He's going to strengthen us to go forward, not to live in fear, not to be antagonists to the world around us, but to be beacons of hope and life and truth and love. And acceptance, not acceptance like y'all come do whatever you want, but the acceptance that says you will be received into the family as you come to Jesus and allow him to transform your life. It's not fear. It's faith in him. And we pass that from generation to generation to generation. We don't need to be afraid about these days. The days we live in are a mess. Jesus is an upset the Holy Spirit's like, oh man, I wish I knew what to do. He's preparing us to be people who will speak the truth in love and who will live in a community of people caring for each other and looking to help care for others who who want that. Not to be people who are argumentative, antagonistic, nasty, politically motivated, politically based, but people who focus on the micro, on the individual, And care for the people who God's put in our life. If you look at the world, it's a huge mess. This last week, our preschool, one of the little kids lost his dad to an overdose. And I've known that guy, the dad, since he was five years old. And when I think about all the drugs and the fentanyl and the opioids and everything that's out there available. Yeah, it's a huge problem, but I also think about this young man and his life that was touched and his his kids. I can't do something about everything out there. I can do something about right here. God has connected us to people to be light and to be salt and to stir up that which is inside of us and knowing that God will give us what we need for that time. Our faith will be tested, and as it's tested, we will get stronger because we will see our faith is not blind. Our faith is in one who is sure. Je- uh, Jeremiah chapter nine verse seven, Zechariah thirteen nine, Malachi three three. God promises. He says, "I will refine, I will test, I will purify, I will remove impurities from your faith." And the way I want to do that is by turning the heat up. Do you feel it, heat? Now, do you feel the heat? Yes. And it's not just 106-degree temperatures we experienced the last couple weeks. But if you feel the heat with your faith, it is God allowing that. He's not the one who puts you through hell, but he will walk through it so that he will work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. He will use that which is meant to destroy you, to strengthen you, and to purify you, and to equip you. I think about David... I don't think he was sitting there with his sheep and the first time a lion came out, he's like, yes, I finally get to take out a lion. He was freaking out. Why? Because it's a lion. And then the bear. But over time, David knew he could go take out a nine foot nine inch giant because he'd already experienced many times before where God gave him what he needed to deliver, the, for, deliver his sheep or his people from the enemy that was in front of him. Today, same, same. Over and over again, and I think that one of my favorite things about the Psalms is the psalmist rehearses God's promises and the things that have been said before. And there is something about rehearsing those things. And then, even like this summer, I didn't finish the whole Bible, but I read through the entire Bible up through Daniel and the entire New Testament except for Revelation, and in going through the major prophets, your Isaiah, and your Ezekiel, and your Jeremiah, I'm seeing over and over these prophetic declarations, and many of them relate to the time when the, the, the one is going to come through whom salvation will happen. None of those guys got to see the fruition come about. They didn't get to see, you know, like Isaiah, didn't get to see who the man of sorrows was who would suffer greatly. And he, what... Peter's saying is, we know who that is now. For the longest period of time, Jesus or God had prepared this plan of reconciliation of humanity to himself. And he talked about it in the the law. He talked about it in the prophets. He talked about it in each of these sections of scripture. And it says, even the angels longed to look into him. They did not know what the plan was. The devil did not know what the plan was. Nobody knew what the plan was, but God did. And when Jesus came and lived and died, was crucified, dead and buried, resurrected from the dead, elevated and uh, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and now we have the plan of salvation available to us. That is one of those things that Peter's saying, rehearse this. God has had a long-term plan in action to bring redemption, and you're a part of it. And you get to actually see it worked out. I think it's funny, the angels didn't even know, and they wanted to. The only thing that really was terrible this summer was my allergies. And the only place I'm allergic to is right here. I was in Tahoe all last week, not a thing, and I came home and I said, babe, they're gone. Yeah. It was wonderful. What are we going to do with this? What will you take away, stirring it up, fanning the flame for you, for others? Where do you see the Holy Spirit at work in you? He is. Where is he calling you to live holy? Where is he saying, I want to use you in this area? How does your perspective shift when you hear there's a purpose for faith being tested? For trials. As Tim said, Jesus jail. When it feels like something completely out of the the blue hits you. God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. For his glory. I cannot wait for what God is doing and what he's going to do in and through and around us, but the people that are in our lives. Not because it's going to be so much greater than anywhere, but we are a part of the body of Christ in this city and in this valley that have been commissioned for this time to bring glory to God by the way that we live. To love one another. To care for one another. To speak truth and love. To be consistent. To tackle hard situations head on to not shrink back in fear or timidity because just as we we read that scripture in 1 Timothy, fan into flame the gift that is inside you through the laying on of hands because God has not given to us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-control. That's us for this time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, so much for Hillside and everybody who calls it home. I pray your blessing, but I also pray your Holy Spirit would stir us up to the good works you put in front of us to bring glory to you. I pray that you would cause us to be great encouragements to the people around us in the words that we speak, by the way that we act, by the things that we do. May we be consistent and faithful and be obedient when we know what to do. We commit ourselves to you, Lord, we want to be part of your solution in this greater Reno-Sparks Carson City, Dayton, Fernley, Fallon, and beyond. Be glorified in and through us, Lord. Stir us up. Show us how we we are to stir ourselves up and to stir others up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There'll be prayer available in the back by the trellis, but I want to pray this blessing over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Have a great rest of your Sunday. This has been a podcast presentation of Hillside Four Square Church in Reno, Nevada. You can reach us via email at web at hillside4.org. That's W-E-B at hillside4.org.